Welcome to Ticking Stock with Kelly McMillan. If the name sounds like a business show to you, then you've got it all wrong. Kelly McMillan is the principal of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks and will talk about shooting for fun, competition, hunting, and self-defense. Now, here is your host, Kelly McMillan. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. I'm your host. And for the next hour, we're going to talk specifically about hunting and what we can do as humans to impact the habitat of the animals in our area so that we can help promote good, healthy herds. And that's, that's basically what we're about. So uh, right now, I want to have Cooper come on. She's going to talk to us about everything that we've got going on uh, with the social media. Hi, Cooper. Hi, thanks for having me on. We don't have anything new, but I would like to remind our listeners to follow and like our Instagram and Facebook page at Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. And then, of course, for all things McMillan and for sales that we have, please follow us at McMillan uh, Fiberglass Stocks on Facebook and then McMillan underscore stocks at Instagram. And hopefully we're going to do our best to try and have a St. Patrick's Day sale. So in order to get those deals, you'll need to sign up for our newsletter, which you can do at our website, um, McMillanUSA.com. Well, one of the things that I want to let all of our customers know that we're changing our, our online store somewhat. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Melancon, who's been running the store for us for the last four and a half years, has decided to leave and become an entrepreneur and start his own business. Uh, so that means that we're going to change some of the processes and some of the things that we offer as uh, an online store. So we're still going to have great selections on stocks that you can get right away, have them shipped within three days. Uh, all that's still going to be there, but there's going to be some of the other things that uh, we were doing that, that really didn't make a lot of sense. But uh, that's why we're not really sure we're going to be able to have the St. Patrick's Day sale because we're really in the middle of trying to absorb everything that Ryan did and get it all under one roof and make sure that everybody understands how to run the store. So that's what's going on. So just be patient. We'll, uh, we'll get right back on schedule with all the great uh, sales and specials that we've always had, but it'll just take us a little while to get that, uh, to get a handle on that. Okay. Thanks for being with us, Cooper. Appreciate that. Of course. Anytime. Okay. I want to introduce two guys that have both been on my show before. And if you've listened at all, you've heard both Jim Lawrence. Hi, Jim. Hello, Kelly. And Terry Herndon. Hey, Terry. How you doing, Kelly? And when they were on before, we talked about conservation and animal herds. And and we're really going to continue that conversation because what I want people to know is that we've started, and I say we, this was a brainchild of both Jim and Terry. They asked me if I wanted to be involved, and I said, sure, I'd love to. Um, But you've kind of changed how you're approaching all the things that you've always done. And the reason that I put it that way is because I, I don't want people to think that you just bailed on the the Mule Deer Foundation and said, I'm just going to go do it my way. But there's a real serious reason why you guys decided to start your own organization. So let's start by saying, 
the Arizona Mule Deer Organization is an organization that basically is going to spend 100% of the money that it raises in Arizona, in Arizona. And I think that's the big deal because with the Mule Deer Foundation, you were, you were spending about 60% of everything you made to uh, Salt Lake yeah. and it never came back to the state. No, very minimal. Uh, we had uh, maybe 16,000 came back in a, six years. So uh, quite a few of our chapters were to the point where they said, you know, we're not getting enough money to do what we want. Uh, probably be our last year with the, with these uh, committees. So we decided to, you know, shut it down. And I gave uh, my resignation and, and I have no hard feelings or no regrets. They were good folks, uh, treated me well. Uh, and you know, what they do is something different than what we're going to do. Uh, we want to make sure we control our own destiny, spend the money where we think it needs to be spent uh, without having to ask, you know, three or four people to get it back to us to make sure we could do it. So Jim and I decided to start this up. We got a great guy named Dave King that's actually our, our secretary treasurer has been with me forever. Uh, we got a heck of a board. We had our first board meeting last night and they're all pumped up and excited about this. Uh, Names that, like yourself, Kelly, that uh, he's part of our board. He's our marketing guru. Um, I can't wait to see what he can do for us because I know he's got thousands of people he knows and respects him. Uh, Jim and I had been nervous about this, but at the same time, positive. We knew we were going to you know, kick it off and make it happen. And that's where we're at right now. So, Jim, it, uh, from what I understand, this was really your brainchild. You actually kind of thought about what path you wanted to take. And then when you talked to Terry about it, you guys kind of both agreed on, is that right? Yes, sir. Yes. I, uh, I was on the board of directors with the Mule Deer Foundation and had served on a state level and then on a national level with the, with the organization. And, uh, you know, Terry had mentioned about 80% of our fundraising here in Arizona went, uh, went to Salt Lake city and, uh, I'm a projects guy. I love uh, seeing boots on the ground and making a difference for wildlife. And uh, it's hard to do that unless you're ha you have financial support. So um, I decided to resign from uh, the board of directors and we started our own nonprofit 501c3 and um, we're off and running. Well, I'm really excited about it. The one thing that I do know about the both of you is that when I met you, it was the first exposure that I had ever had to any organization that actually did projects. I had been involved with the Phoenix chapter of the Safari Club, um, Elk Society, which they do a, a, a few um, things. They did a, an annual um, yearly um, clinic on elk hunting, uh, but but those weren't the type of projects that, that I saw happening with the North uh, Valley chapter of the Mule Deer Society. The, the organization that you guys were leading had people in the field at least twice a month, fixing water holes, tearing down old fences, doing everything you could possibly do to improve the habitat for mule deer. Absolutely. And that's, that's you know, we, we basically had volunteers in the field every weekend, uh, somewhere in the state. And, uh, you know, it was, it was great, but, uh, you know, that's, we still have these volunteers. Most of the volunteers that we had with the Mule Deer Foundation 
have kind of followed, you know, come over to the uh, to the Arizona mule deer organization. So we're we're happy about that, and you know, our volunteers are the backbone of our of our uh, organization. So it's uh, it's we're very excited. We we've got people coming to us now, uh, ranchers, landowners, uh, governmental agencies, the Game and Fish Department. U.S. Forest Service uh, asking for our help on projects, and we're excited to to start this new chapter. Well, I know I'm excited. Uh, as uh, Terry mentioned, I've volunteered to uh, handle a lot of the marketing. Uh, people don't realize that any type of organization, whether it be nonprofit or for-profit, uh, has to be um, marketed in order for potential members to actually even know that they exist. And even more than that, we want some national notoriety so that when we go to organizations or um, manufacturers and ask them to contribute to what we do, we want them to know who we are. They want to, we want them to have seen us um, read about our projects and for them to say, Hey, yeah, we really like what these guys are doing. So we're, we're happy to help them. And, th- and that's important. You know, there's a lot of people who are getting tired of just handing out, you know, gift certificates and and rifles and pistols for all of these conventions. And then the money just kind of seems to go away. Nobody ever sees what the money does. And that's the biggest thing about the uh, AMD, I think, is that we're really planning on being transparent and posting the work that we do so people are aware of it. Um, I think a good place for us to start right now would be to talk about the state of mule deer here in Arizona. Now we spoke about this at our board meeting. We all understand that. Yes, we're focused on mule deer because they really need more help than any of the other animals. But every project that we do really helps all types of animal across the board in whatever area that we're in water is the biggest necessity for life. And so anyone, any of the animals that are in that area are going to benefit from any of the water projects that we do, which as you said last night, it's probably going to be the largest part of what we do. Terry, why don't you explain to our listeners and our viewers how pitiful our mule deer uh, herd is and, and has been dwindling for a long time? Well, back in the 1980s, we actually had three consecutive years, 100-year floods. So we had an explosion of mule deer for the next eight to 10 years. That's not a norm. But when we take that part out and we look at all the history we have prior to those times and to where we are now, we're probably 30% to 35% down on the numbers of mule deer. Uh, Biggest issues we have is encroachment. We keep building into their habitat, which is really a bad thing. Uh, Secondly is the drought. The drought just killed us. So what we're trying to do is put water just about every three miles from where we should be. So uh, water catchment here, three miles away, another one here. If we can do that, they get the, the water. And if we get some rain, I mean, it's a big if, uh, it'll grow habitat. So they have to feed, they have a place for cover. That's what's going to take to grow these deer back. <clears throat> They've done some great things in a lot of different units, and we're starting to see a big increase in those units. Unit 21 had about uh, – three or four million dollars in the last five years put into it. It got hit heavily with a fire that went across there. And then of course the rains caused everything to erode. All the catchments in there actually got blown out. 
So they've been working hard for the last three or four years to rebuild those tanks. And at the same time, we're trying to do catchment rebuilds and also putting it to some spring boxes to make sure we got water in there. If we have water, I think the rest of it will take care of itself. But it's going to take us some time still. We have to get out of this drought. I uh, remember you mentioning last night that uh, APS, I think it is, has been real generous with some yep. uh, solar panels that are going to help us put self-watering pumps, you know, so that, you know, you, obviously where we're going to put water catchments, th there aren't going to be any electricity. So right. if you want to have any kind of pump at all, you need to have it done solar. Yeah, and the thing that's cool about that is a lot of these windmills are, are falling apart. So what we'll do is we'll take the shaft to pull it out. We'll drop a pump down into the shaft. Depends how far it has to go. And our guys that we use called uh, New Grid or Off Grid, those guys are fantastic to come out and look at things and say, yeah, we need four of your panels. It's going to pump this water up. But if we can tap into a, a, a well, we can get water out of that well year-round. Where we don't have to worry, worry about rain and, you know, hopefully get out of this drought. So those panels that the APS, Arizona Public Service, is going to donate is a lifesaver. Saves us tons of money and also going to save us a lot of animals out there. Like you said, it's going to help all wildlife. And that's what we need to uh, make sure people know. Birds, things that crawl, everything that walks is going to have water out there. So we talked about our first board meeting last night, Jim, but, but yes. we already have some projects already scheduled. Do you want to kind of throw out there how we're getting started and hitting the ground running? Yes. Yeah, we have uh, several, in fact, this coming uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. You know, uh, conservation doesn't happen by any one group. You know, it takes a concerted effort uh, from multiple groups, governmental agencies, uh, to make <sighs> conservation happen. And, and you know, AMD, Arizona Mule Deer is no different, but uh, we're, we're partnering with the Arizona Game and Fish Department and uh, the Mugion Sportsman's Association uh, to clean out six dirt tanks up on the End Diamond Ranch up near uh, Camp Birdie. And uh, we'll be spreading bentonite. Uh, our volunteers will be spreading and applying the bentonite to seal the tanks. Uh, that'll be Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. It's a three-day project. Uh, you know, volunteers can come up for the day or for all three days, whatever they'd like. Um, we have uh, some projects scheduled, a new spring development um, on the, the 51 Ranch up near Black Canyon City. Uh, that'll be coming up uh, towards the end of this month. Um, we have most of our most of our projects are water related. Like Terry was had mentioned, you know, water's king in this country. And uh, it's a precious resource. And, uh, you know, that's what we kind of try to focus our energy on is, is water projects. You know, you mentioned uh, a couple of the projects that you've got working on. And one thing that I can remember from my experience working with you before, you always have the knack of, of making these projects fun for the people that are involved. I know some of the projects you, you invited the kids to come along and somebody was cooking pancakes for breakfast and, and, uh, you know, having, uh, ATV rides for the kids and stuff. So uh, I want everybody to know that, yes, it's a lot of, and a lot of times it's hard work back in an area where, you know, it's not easy to get to, but we always try to make it a family thing. And we always try to make everybody who participates feel like one, they did some good work Two, 
they were appreciated for the work that they did. And three, we make as fun as we can. I think that's something that this organization does better than anybody else. Yes, thank you. Yeah, it. Uh, we really try to, to have the families involved, especially the kids. You know, they're the next generation of sportsmen and conservationists and hunters and anglers. And, you know, it's it's a lot of fun for us as well. And, you know, Terry is... Uh, and Dave King, both or our secretary treasurer, are both uh, really big into the youth camps that we hold every year. Uh, we go out and uh, try to locate deer for the the uh, the young hunters and their families, and uh, it's a lot of fun. It's there's a lot of camaraderie, and you know we do we supply all the food and the cooking and and that, and so they just concentrate on their hunt with their family. So it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, Terry, why don't you talk about the youth hunts? This is something that is important. People don't really consider it, um, conservation, but in, in my mind, I think it's probably as important as anything that we can do to save the, the mule deer, because if we don't save the hunters, it won't matter what we do with the mule deer. So talk about the kids camps that you've, uh, been involved with. So there's two different ways of looking at this. North American model is something that they came up with that tells us how we're supposed to take care of our wildlife. In that model, it shows that hunting is part of the uh, control or management plan. These kids coming in, they need to understand that hunting is more than just going out and killing an animal. So what we do in the camps, we get the kids together and we try real hard to make them understand how important they are and how important it is that they continue to carry on the heritage of hunting. And most kids are, at the very least, if they leave the camp and they decide that hunting, killing isn't part of what they like, they still are pro hunters because they understand how we are. They understand why they're there. So we had six camps last year, uh, probably did more damage to the deer than we should have with the kids, but we killed a lot of deer. The kids are sold for life. You know, every one of these kids that shot an animal responded perfectly, happy, tears, thankful. And then we went back and, you know, we showed the kids how to skin the deer, how to cut the deer up, and they cook their back straps. That's the part I like the best. But uh, most of these kids, when they come to camp, have no idea what a camp is. They have no idea what glassing is. They have no idea, other than going to their gun range and shooting a rifle a few times, what it was really like to shoot at something with a heartbeat. So it's a, it's a great experience. When I take kids out, when they shoot an animal and I see the excitement, I go back to when I was my first year hunting with my dad and I get teary eyed. It's something that really brings the emotions back. So I guess in a way I'm selfish because I like being with the kids when they go out and be successful like that. It's, it's an awesome thing. And the girls out shoot the boys. I just want to let you know that. So, <laughs> Well, I, I've got a, a little anecdote about that. My son and I took uh, his son, my grandson out when he was eight years old, just with us on an antelope hunt. And uh, by the end of the third day, he was standing over on a rock and he had his little binoculars that I'd given him and he was looking. He says, yeah, I see him. There's a nice buck out there. Yeah, he's about 300 yards. Yeah, he's a good one. And Ryan says, oh, that's a rock. And he said, no, no, no that's a buck. I see him. And he was emulating what he had heard us saying oh, yeah. through the whole time. So not only do they do that just in verbally, mm -hmm. but if we show them how to hunt and we make them a part of it, 
they're just going to love it naturally. So I think that that the work that you do is 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 as good a work as there is when it comes to conserving not only the mule deer but the hunting as well. That's important. Well, follow up on that. We're not getting any younger. You know, it's, it, once we go away, we need somebody else to step in our shoes to fight the fight for us. And it's important for these kids to understand how important it is as they get older. And another thing I want to add, too, is that we love to see the moms come out. Moms come out single. Moms come out with their kids. It's almost a 60 to 70 percent for sure thing that next year mom's going to hunt. She enjoys it so much she wants to hunt. Once you get mom involved, you got the whole family core involved. Uh, dad likes to go do his thing. We're all rogue bulls until, you know, mama tells us to do something. But when mom gets them all involved, that's what we need because it'll, it'll continue to go. Yeah. And it's always a good thing for uh, dad not to have to ask mom uh, if it's okay if we go hunting for the weekend. And when she says, Hey, we're going hunting, what are you doing this weekend? So, exactly. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the organizations that you guys have worked with. People don't understand that conservation isn't just figuring out where a water hole needs to be repaired and going out doing it. You work with a number of organizations, none of which uh, the least of is uh, Arizona Game and Fish. And that's something I think a lot of people don't understand how closely and how really good Arizona Game and Fish is at doing their job and helping you guys to do what you do. Jim, why don't you talk about how you interface with some of these organizations and what it is that they do for us? Okay. Uh, yeah, like you, you'd mentioned, Arizona Game and Fish Department, uh, they're one of our key partners. Um, we work very closely with them, uh, not only to with the wild, mainly with the wildlife managers to uh, focus on uh, projects in their units and uh, you know, we're also uh, with the Adopt-A-Ranch program with the Arizona Game and Fish where we we so-called Adopt-A-Ranch uh, and uh, help these landowners with uh, certain projects that, that they need done where they need labor and, and materials. Uh, we'll come in and, and help them facilitate that. And it also, you know, an another big part of what we do is for access. Um, a lot of these, we sit on... Uh, sportsman's relationship committee with the Arizona Game and Fish Department where uh, sportsmen and, and landowners can get together and, and talk about, you know, if there's been vandalism on their ranch or if there's been, you know, thefts or, you know, those type of things. Uh, we try to come up with result with, uh, you know, ways to, to mitigate that. So, because uh, a lot of these ranchers, they've they've closed down in certain parts of the state. They've pretty much closed off all access to mm -hmm. the sportsmen. So that's a that's a big issue for for all the sportsmen's group is groups is uh, is access. I won't say a hundred percent of the hunters are more responsible than the average gun enthusiast, but right. you've all seen it. You've gone out in the desert where somebody's taken a, a washing machine or something and just shot it up and left it, taking, you know, bottles and there'll be piles of broken glass. Those are the kind of things that when that happens on uh, an individual's ranch, I can understand why they get frustrated. Right. I can understand why when the, the, the gate is 
chained locked and they run into it and bust the gate so they can get through why they wouldn't want anybody else to come on their property. Uh, but we really need to, to try to remind everybody, not just hunters, but, but all gun enthusiasts that all of that stuff really, um, shows poorly on all of us. If, if they're not willing to clean up after themselves and be respectful of people's uh, property, Right. We're going to lose this ability to, to hunt on private land. And though there isn't a great deal of private land in Arizona, there's a lot that's been leased that, that have locks on the gates if the, if the landowners want them. Mm-hmm. That's true. And it's, it's a huge problem, Kelly. Uh, you know, I, I deal with these ranches on a daily basis. And, you know, they have people, a, a big sport now is shed hunting. where People go out in the spring and, and, and look for elk sheds or deer sheds. And uh, we've got one rancher in particular in northern Arizona where all his cattle were in a pasture they weren't supposed to be in because shed hunters had come through. Instead of going down to the gate, open the gate and close the gate to go in to look for sheds, they just cut the barbed wire fence and uh, access the pasture, you know, wherever they want. And then his cattle, you know, the Forest Service tells these landowners where their cattle have to be at any particular time of the year and if they're not in these pastures and in a pasture they're not supposed to be in it's a big it's a big problem and most of these ranchers in arizona they don't have 10 12 cowboys to go round round up cattle you know they have to do it themselves and or if they they're lucky they have one or two ranch hands but it's it's an issue and you're right what happens is is you know even though it's a select few bad apples if you if you want um that are doing this kind of stuff, but it makes all sportsmen, anybody that carries a gun, whether you're target shooting or hunting or, or, or whatever, it makes us all look bad. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that any of those people that don't have respect for other people's property, uh, they don't care. And I would bet that those shed hunters are probably not hunters first off, I can't understand why any hunter would ever want to go pick up sheds. I mean, it's kind of one of those unspoken rules where you don't take a a trophy that's been given to you or you don't go buy a trophy. It's either yours or it's not. And if it's not yours, it's of of no value. So I, I think that those people that are collecting sheds probably don't have a clue of you know, what it means to be thoughtful about the environment and the people's land and the stuff that, and obviously if they're going to cut through a fence, they don't care. They don't. Yeah, they don't. And we've had, um, we've had ranchers, uh, you know, come to us and say, you know, what can we do? You know, we had one rancher up in, uh, uh, Northern Arizona, up in Northeastern Arizona who had his, uh, 50,000 gallon water storage tanks shot. Uh, shot up about three or four years ago, and he lost about 30,000 gallons of water before they had realized what had happened. And it's, you know, it's just, a lot of this stuff is just senseless. You know, it's, uh, you know, not just for wildlife, but this rancher's livelihood is dependent on, you know, his livestock and his livestock getting water. So it's, you know, it's, it's no wonder why some of these ranchers don't want people on their property. Yeah, that's kind of why we are focused, you know, on this one committee is to try to 
you know, bring the, the, the sporting community and the, the landowners together and, and resolve some of these issues and what can be done and how we can help and, you know, letting our membership know, you know, a lot of this is common sense. You know, you wouldn't go into somebody's house and, and, and trash their house. Well, it's the same way with these landowners. So, um, you know, it, it's, an, it's an important uh, step that we take to, to uh, ensure that all sportsmen are all, you know, if you're, whether you're a shooting enthusiast or a hunter or whatever, a hiker, that you, that you treat people's property the way you would like your property to be treated. Yeah, Jim, uh, we'll cover that some more when we get back from this commercial break. I want all of our listeners and our video audience to stay tuned. We're going to run a little video audio, uh, commercial for you guys as well. So um, we'll be right back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. For over 40 years, Macmillan USA has been at the leading edge of the gunstock industry. The company was born out of the desire to improve and perfect form, function, and precision with every one of their premium fiberglass stocks. From tactical to hunting to competitive shooting, Macmillan stocks are designed to dominate. Their signature three-way adjustable butt plates, adjustable cheek pieces, rail mounts, and adapters provide a versatile platform built on performance. Over 65 custom finishes are available, ranging from solid colors to camouflage. Check out the Macmillan website for hundreds of stocks available for immediate delivery. And for those wanting something more specialized, call the knowledgeable and friendly staff at Macmillan for a complete list of options at 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. Again, that's 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, we're talking pig pursuits. With few season restrictions, generous bag limits, and plenty of opportunities, hunters never tire of burning some bacon. Joining us is Fred Eichler of Predator Nation, Hal Schaefer from Greg Zipidelli's Drop Zone, and Jerry Courtney, VP of Marketing for Ranch Hand. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a school to the pros we, we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports you are listening to taking stock with kelly mcmillan now back to the show uh, thanks everyone for sticking around uh, during that commercial break and uh, i hope you enjoyed the commercial I also hope all of you video podcast watchers enjoyed our, our commercial. And uh, for those of you on Facebook, you've been watching us uh, banter back and forth a little bit. 
what we want to do is talk a little bit more about why fundraising is so important for these organizations and for AMD. And if you guys don't mind, I think I'm going to refer to Arizona Mule Deer as AMD from now on uh, during this conversation. I think everybody knows we're talking about that organization. Uh, you know, I've, I'm a life member of the Arizona Elk Society, Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society, North Chapter of the Mule Deer Foundation, the Mule Deer Main Foundation, Wild Sheep Society, uh, Arizona or National Predator Hunters. So, and one of the reasons why I'm a life member of all those organizations, because I want to support them. Sure. Almost every one of them has asked me to donate products and, and money to their cause over the years. And I suspect that over the last 15 or 20 years, when I've been involved in these organizations, I've probably donated upwards of $100,000 worth of, of products and service. And I do that because I really believe in conservation. And it's a really good place for me to spend some of my money. Um, but People don't understand why the money is so important. They, they don't see what's happening with it. So, Jim, I want you to take just a minute and, and talk about why fundraising has become such a big point, part of all of the organizations and why we need to do that for the AMD. Uh, thank you, Kelly. Uh, yes, the, you know, fundraising is the lifeblood of virtually every conservation group, uh, ours is no different. Um, AMD, you know, we need to fund our projects and, and the way we do that is through fundraising. And we use, Terry can elaborate more on that, but uh, the ways that, the, that we, and the models that we use to, to, for our fundraising, but it's, uh, it's the lifeblood of the organization. You know, we depend on sportsmen, uh, mainly is our main uh, group that we cater to, but uh, you know the the support that we get from the sporting community, from the hunting community, is uh, is very important to the success of of AMD. You know, without without support, we can't go out and develop new you know water catchments. We can't go out and repair old water catchments. So it's very important that and and, and most of the most of the donors that we do have, they are hunters. And, you know, this is a small way that they can get back to the, what they love to do, the outdoors and shooting sports and, and hunting. And, and that, but Terry is, was, you know, is more of the uh, fundraising uh, guru for AMD. So I, Terry, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, I think the biggest thing is that, <clears throat> excuse me, that everybody needs to understand that the money that you come in is, is something we can't do without. We have to be able to generate cash in order to buy equipment, <clears throat> materials, and other things to take care of a project. So when somebody comes to our banquet, a fundraiser, and they put their harder money in there, <clears throat> I think they want to know what it goes to, and that's what we're that's what we're good about. We show people where it goes. Um, the problem we have is there's way too many banquets, so you're competing with everybody. So what we're going to try to do in our model is do something more fun. Uh, we're going to do cornhole tournaments. We're going to do uh, poker runs. You know, we're probably going to do just to get togethers and, uh, and we're going to generate cash like that. It takes that burden of buying a ticket to, to buy food that you may or may not like 
<laughs> and he'd come into a banquet and then compete with 100, 200 people inside a banquet room. So we will have banquets, but I'm going to try to make it fun for everybody. Because I think if you make it fun and it's not like, oh, gosh, I got another banquet to go to and I don't want to miss it because I want to support. Uh, more like, hey, let's go to uh, AMD's banquet because it's going to be a kick in the butt. It always is. That's what we're looking for. But the money that you see coming into those banquets is really the blood that makes this, this heart pump, AMD's heart pump. Because we can take that money, we can pay for merchandise, we can pay for materials, we can pay for a lot of different things. And one of the main reasons why we went to AMD is to try to keep that money here in Arizona. And it's super important to understand that. You know, now we're going to work hard together, we're going to generate cash, and we're going to drop it here. It won't go anywhere else. And I think that's a plus plus. Well, you didn't have to ask me twice to get involved with this. And first was having worked with both of you guys before and know the kind of dedication you've got to conservation and habitat for, for mule deer specifically. Uh, I knew it was something I believed in, but I also knew that the reason that you wanted to keep the, the money in the state is so that we can do more work. It, for no other reason. And I do know some organizations out there that they they just want to get their bank account as big as they can. They have no plans to spend any of it. They don't spend any of it on projects, but their account just keeps growing because maybe the president thinks it's a feather in his cap that the, that the uh, bank account grew by two times while he was in, in office. I'm not really sure, but you know, my whole thought was, heck, the only reason to raise money is to spend it. That's, I mean, a nonprofit, you don't ever want to have a bank account really, no. uh, you know, other than just a prudent reserve. Uh, Zev reminded me that we've got uh, people on Facebook that are, are listening to us live and I'd like to invite them to ask any questions they might have of Terry uh, and Jim and I, uh, just go ahead and, and type them into Facebook. We've got a couple of people, Cooper's keeping an eye on it and Zev both. So we'll be able to uh, answer those questions if, if you find something that you want to talk about. Um, the, the one of the things that we were talking about banquets and, and how important they are. I know you, you said you, you want to make the banquets different and, and more exciting. To be perfectly honest, uh, we can't get away from asking people to help with our cause. And it's important that they buy into what we're doing. Yeah, there are some manufacturers out there who will give a gift certificate to everybody that asks. Um, but, you know, in this day and age, uh, everybody's working really hard for their money. They want to make it go as far as they can. And if it's not a good business decision, they're not going to do it. And, I, and I'm for sure not going to donate anything to that organization who's just building the bank account anymore. I'm really serious about where my money's going to go. And, and I'm in, I'm sure that it's important to everybody out there. So I want to know how we're going to let people know what kind of means are we going to use to communicate with all those people in Arizona that are, that are going to look to us to see, well, why are these guys different and, and how come, this organization and not any one of the other ones? Well, the thing we're going to do is obviously we're going to try to go out and do the work, show what we're doing on the work, have our youth camps, take pictures, show us what we're doing with youth camps. And I got to tell you, the youth camps are impossible unless I get a grant from the Arizona Game and Fish Department. Those guys really want to see the kids come along to Heritage. So we get grants for that. But for the projects themselves, 
if you say, you know, some, some guy says, here's a hundred bucks and you say, Hey, remember that hundred bucks? This is what we did with it. And this is what came of it. And you show them pictures of a doe with twin fawns coming to water. That right there is success. So it makes people feel like they have ownerships into their own wildlife in Arizona. And another cool thing about it is a lot of people can only go to banquets. They can't go to projects. Now, like I said last night at our meeting, you got to have them all. So if you have folks who can go to the banquet, not to the, the project, or I got to go to the project, not to the banquet, they're the same quality of human beings as we need to have this thing run. So uh, it's cool to do a project and take your kids up there 10 years later and show them what we did. And I think that's ownership thing is what they want to see. They want to see where their money went to. Uh, it'd be like me saying, can you give me a GoFundMe page? I need $10,000. And I don't show them what I did with my $10,000. You're not going to get that happening very often. So uh, my dad's from Joplin, Missouri, show me state. So he's pretty much told me all his life, show me, don't tell me, show me. So. Yeah. If you did a, a GoFundMe uh, page, it might work once, but we need these people to come back to us every year and, and every season and see the, the work that we've done so that the next time they've got a few extra bucks that they can help out or the next time they put in for deer and they're out there in the, the unit hunting and they see how dry it is and how there's no water around and they have to work really hard to even get a glimpse of a mule deer and they'll say wow you know these guys uh, we really need more of this work and then they'll be involved as well so i'm really happy about that um jim uh, i'm gonna ask you the hard question Uh, oh boy and this is something that we discussed at our board meeting last night and because I thought it was important enough that we needed to develop a corporate or a, a, a board response for the organization because I wasn't involved in this organization more than a day and a half before somebody asked me. And first off, why the split from uh, Mule Deer Foundation? I want, in your words, why you decided that we needed an organization here in Arizona to do what that what we're, what we're doing. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I've been with Mule Deer Foundation for about six years. Uh, Terry and I had met on a project. Uh, he had just become regional director for Arizona with Mule Deer Foundation. And we hit it off. We had the same passion uh, for conservation. Um, and I wanted to get my kids involved, you know, away from the TV and the video games. So my thing was to get my kids out and in the, you know, out in the outdoors and, and doing some good for wildlife. So that's how I got involved, the Mule Deer Foundation. And I had, uh, started a chapter, which Kelly, you were a member, um, North Valley chapter. Uh, and I became the state chairman for, uh, the Mule Deer Foundation. And uh, we continue to grow the organization, but my thing has always been projects. And that's what drives me. And, and um, when the opportunity came to, when I was asked to be on the board of directors up in Salt Lake City uh, for the Mule Deer Foundation, uh, Terry was one, uh, Bob Jacobs, uh, another uh, board member who lives in Flagstaff, uh, had uh, contacted me about you know, they really wanted me to get on the board. So Arizona would have a presence, uh, you know, historically very little of the money 
you know, 80% of the money that we raised here, which we were averaging about 180,000 a year, 80% of that was going north to Salt Lake City, never to return. And I thought by being on the board that I could change that. Well, it's, it didn't happen. So after a year, you know, I decided, and I'd seen things that uh, money was being spent. Um, you know, when you're on a, on the board, you see a lot more than most people and how money spent and how, you know, how the organization is run. And I, I have nothing bad to say about MDF. It's just time for me to move on. And that's when I, I decided that uh, I got with Terry and um, I just decided to, um, you know, start our own organization where a hundred percent of our fundraising would stay right here in Arizona. You know, Arizona money would stay in Arizona. And uh, that's what's so exciting to us. You know, I, I have had a couple of commissioners from the Arizona Game and Fish Commission come up to me and say, you know, you guys are rock stars. You know, we never even heard of the Mule Deer Foundation until you guys came on board. And and uh, one of the commissioners, when they found out that Terry and I had split away from MDF and were moving on with a, a different organization, uh, you know, based right here in Arizona, uh, he came to me. And in fact, he's the, the chairman of the commission, uh, came to me and said, he said, I can't wait to see what you guys do with Arizona Mule Deer, with AMD, he said, I'm sure it's going to be like uh, MDF on steroids. So, you know, we're excited um, about this new venture. We've got, like Terry had mentioned earlier, we've got a fantastic board, a great, very diverse. Uh, we're blessed to have you, Kelly, on the board and your leadership. Um, we've got some great ranchers and business owners and uh we, we just couldn't be happier. We, we've got a, a steering committee, if you will, with the board that, you know, we're confident that um, it's going to make a huge difference and, and, and uh, you know, from here going forward. So I have two points uh, that I want to make, uh, and you actually made one for me. Yes. I came to believe that it wasn't the organization, that there wasn't anything special about uh, the Mule Deer Foundation they were pretty much like all of the other national organizations. What made North Valley chapter of the Mule Deer Foundation so special was the people that were in it. It was you and Terry and Mark and all of the guys who I met in that organization who were willing to put their Saturdays and Sundays on the line to go out and work in the field and do the work. And I had never met anyone like that. So I'm really, I really think that what's going to make the difference for AMD isn't that our organization is going to be any better than anybody else, but we're going to have better people with That's a good. focus on what's really important. And that is actually getting the work done. The second thing I want, you mentioned your kids and, and this whole thing kind of started for your kids. I want you to tell our listeners and our viewers a little bit about your kids and as a result, what have they been able to accomplish through association with you and the organization and, and mule deer and hunting? Right. Um, a few of them, I have five children and uh, my youngest two are, are twin, twin 15 year old daughters. Uh, I tried to get, especially my boys when they were younger, uh, involved in the outdoors, hunting, fishing, and 
you know, I've got two of my sons could care less about hunting or, you know, they've got other interests. Uh, but I have one son that loves to hunt. Uh, he's been involved in a, a lot of, uh, he's a young man now, so he's not that involved, uh, with the organization right now, but he, uh, won the, uh, Arizona, uh, youth environmentalist of the year award. Um, he was spend all of his weekends, you know, when, when he wasn't playing sports, you know, lacrosse or football, he was on a project. And one of my daughters also, one of my twin daughters, uh, Tatum, um, she was very involved with, with projects and just loved being outdoors and, you know, uh, out making a difference for wildlife. So it's, it was a family affair. And that was my goal in the beginning is to get my kids out, you know, get them out in the outdoors and, you know, the quality of people that you meet that are willing to give up, like you had mentioned, Kelly, about giving up their their weekends to go work on a project, to be away from their family. Uh, you can't put a, the quality of people you meet are just second to none. Um, they're, they're, they're great environmentalists, uh, conservationists, they're just great people. Um, that's what's, you know, kept me and, and drives me is the people that are, that are involved. Um, we just, uh, we, we're just, we're, we're blessed with, with the, the people that we have involved with AMD and, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of what drives our, steers our ship. So. Uh, Terry, I want to ask you to answer this question. One of our, uh, uh watchers on Facebook, uh, Norm Harold wants to know if somebody from outside of Arizona wants to to get involved or help us with our project, how would be the best for that? Now, I know we're working on a, a website, so that'd probably be the first thing. Right. And I'm assuming we're going to have a donation page where they can actually fill out the, the page and contribute to the organization through the website. Yeah, that and the membership. I mean, he's more than welcome to be a part of us. We'd love to have him. Uh, any kind of compensation that we can get to help us buy materials, or if a person says, I'd like to buy a, a fence roller, you know, where do I get it at? I'd like to get it delivered to you. Those kind of things are super important to us because those are tools we can do things with. Um, you know, right now we're working hard at trying to get ourselves a, a water truck, you know, or a water trailer because it's going to be really tough this summer. It's going to be a lot, a lot of uh, animals not drinking. So any of that kind of stuff to help. If he comes to Arizona, he wants to help with a project, I'd love to have him out there. And anybody who wants to be a part of us like that, uh, we open arms. We, we turn no one away. In fact, the first project that Jim and I worked together on with Sycamore uh, Mesa, we had people who were anti-hunters, non-hunters, uh, greens, you know, and everything. At the end of the night, we were all together around the fire having a blast, and we all understood why we were there. So we like everybody we can get in there. So thanks for that question, Harold. That's uh, I'm, I'm really glad that you want to get involved, and uh, you know you can always stay in touch with me. One of the things that we will do from time to time, we'll have a, a, a rifle that we'll raffle off, and we'll sell tickets to it. And anyone who wants to join as a uh, a member will always be on that mailing list when we send out the 
the goodies and what's on the list and can participate that way. And who knows, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll buy your raffle tickets and you might win a rifle that, uh, and it couldn't, you know, I know one of the organizations we did, we helped with that. Uh, the winner was from Florida. So you don't have to be an Arizona native to win and, and participate. So thanks for that question. That's really good. Um, you were just talking about, you know, water. We're in a drought everybody's heard about the California drought for the last three years, but nobody's talking about the Arizona drought. Well, we only get about seven inches a year around here. And if you get half of that, that's a huge shortfall Mm -hmm. on, on the rain. Talk about how severe this drought has been and what effect it's having on, on the population. Well, right now the game and fish department feels that this year is going to be just as bad as 2002. 2002, they, they delivered over 2 million gallons of water to the water catchments. That means they have to have three or four crews doing nothing but delivering water. Uh, 2018 is looking to be through the Farmer's Almanac to be just as bad. So what we're trying to do right now is to get away where we can help them get water to those catchments. The uh, gaming fish has trailers. They also have water trucks. But they're going to be running those things 24 hours a day probably. So we have a group of folks that do the adopted catchment water, water catchment program. Uh, Ron Nixon is actually going to be the guy that handles that liaison through game of fish and get a wildlife manager involved with a volunteer. And they will go out and check these catchments every two weeks during the month, check the uh, tank for levels. If everything's working on them, make sure there's no dead animals inside of it. All that's going to be part of helping our keep the water inside those tanks. Uh, game of fish wildlife managers, they have such a huge area to uh, go out and check. They can't do it all by themselves. So we want to try to help with that as much as we can. Well, that's a lot of work. I mean, uh, they're hauling probably, what, 50,000 gallons of water at a time at the most. I don't know how big the trucks are, but uh, that seems like a lot of water to me. And yeah. to, to haul a million gallons of water, you'd have to do that almost nonstop. Um, I really want to thank both of you guys for being part of the show today. Uh, it really has been a great show. I'm really excited about having you guys on. I'm also excited about being on the board of directors. Uh, working with such great guys is always a, you know, a pleasure. And I really want to thank you for spending your time with me today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, we, we've got about one minute left. Uh, Jim, I, I just want you real quick to give the people an idea about how much money um, Arizona Game and Fish will contribute to what we're trying to do, uh, just based on some history. Based on, based on history, um, the last, say, three to four years, uh, we've gotten grants through the, the Game and Fish Department, like Gary had mentioned earlier, uh, for our youth camps. And for our supplies, HPC projects, um, we I would say around $60,000 a year we get in grant money uh, from the Arizona Game and Fish Department. So yeah, that, that's awesome. I just wanted our listeners to know how much that they contribute and work hard at what we're doing. I want to thank everyone for being with us. Thanks, Zev, Cooper, appreciate it. Jim, Terry. Uh, I want to thank all thank of our listeners it. and viewers for, for sticking out around with us for, for this hour. It's been real informative, and, and I hope you've learned a lot. I'd like for you to all go out and have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. 
Be sure to come back for more next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The weekend is here. Enjoy yourself. We'll talk again next week.